I'm a firm believer that wherever you live, you should try to make it better than what you found it. And so I've always strived to make Montbello, Montbello community a better community than when I first moved out here. And why that's important is because of people like you. It's the youth of our community. Many of you will grow up and become professionals and will move out of state and move away from Montbello, but hopefully be proud to stay here from Montbello. Many of you will return and make Montbello your home. And if you do choose to do that, you know that you've chosen wisely, that it's a beautiful community, it's a great place to raise your children. And that's what I hope that we can continue to build as more youthful, younger folks come and get involved in our community is to just make it better than it is today. Welcome to Montbello Memory Mapping. In this podcast series, we share our interviews with elders from our Montbello community. We will learn about how Montbello came to be and how it has developed into the thriving community it is today. Today, we have our panel. We're with Chris Martinez, Shirley Richard, Ginny Lorbeer, Stella Nash, Silka Hansen, and to accompany them, we have Mohammed, Yanis, Leia, and Lucero. Kyle J couldn't make it, but he's here in spirit. How are all you doing this afternoon? Thank you. Good. Great. Real good. Now we talked a lot on we talked a lot in our first interviews about how hard it was for Mambella to get resources like parks, grocery grocery stores, and affordable housing. Do you think racism had to do anything with not having any parks or able to build any parks in Mambello? Yes, I think that was an undercurrent of Montbello, early days, uh, the diversity of its community, uh, which allowed to have fewer city services than other parts of the city. Uh, and uh, many of the residents did many times take that as to be a racism uh, to the neighborhood because of its diversity. Um, and that's something that we fought for a long time. It also had to do, I think, with the uh, political powers and voting uh, until Montbello turned out to be a voting strength, uh, we had a lot of difficulty getting services and getting the attention of uh, folks from downtown. I also think that folks from downtown. I also think that um, racism played a part because even though Wood Brothers gave land to build one of the parks, the park people wanted to delay the, the development of it, and. Um, so in my mind, that's true. Yeah, I would agree. And don't, I mean, people used to call us Montghetto. But if you looked at that, it was mostly people who'd never been in Montbello who referred to it as Montghetto because of the reputation. People who lived here knew they had a good deal and liked being part of the community. And that was a term that really came out of competitiveness and sports, but a lot of adults picked it up and start using as identifying the community. Uh, media also did not do us any favors because the media always portrayed Montbello as a whole community, which was one of the, the large is the largest neighborhood in Denver. And when there was a, any type of crime or any type of activity, they always reported it and in Montbello, even though our crime rates were lower than they were in other parts of the city. Also, uh, the talk show host Ken Hamlin was responsible for uh, the nickname of Montghetto. 
He came from um, a humble beginnings in New York City. And when he came to Colorado, uh, he was um, determined that he wasn't going to be associated with anything that would remind him of how he grew up. And it brought in ratings. People um, attached themselves to racism. And he had large audiences, and so he performed for them. And those people that he was talking to didn't know where Montbello was. Uh, the whole city of Denver doesn't have a ghetto. Uh, can you share some of your experience in getting involved in the community and how you have to help helped you have helped to change the narrative? It's a good question. I think everybody here at this table is been involved in the community in one sense or another. Uh, I have been involved in numerous neighborhood organizations and, and political campaigns as well as uh, issue campaigns. And, uh, and it was just a matter of trying to bring neighborhoods together uh, to bring positive change to our community, uh, whether it was just the image of our community itself uh, by having cleanup days and Parks days, uh, breakfast with Santa days, a parade, a celebration of uh, our ethnicities, to fighting for better schools for our community. Yeah, I've been involved in um, various activities within the community, and especially when it comes to dealing with the elderly population of changing the narrative of how they see us, and I've been involved especially early on when my son was young with the PTO at McGlone School and um, Montbella Organizing Committee, the Fresh Low Initiative, Montbella 2020, Far Northeast Neighbors, and um, the track team, so the soccer team, and so forth. So, and the United Church of Montbello. So I have come to know that once you're involved, you just keep recycling yourself. As a former teacher at Montbello, one of the things that we tried to do with student council was to have student council exchanges and to bring in other schools here so they could see that what they had heard was not really what was happening. And a prime example of that was in 84 when an incident happened out here with a rock-throwing incident with, from East. East was over here for a wrestling tournament. And as they were going home, somebody threw a rock through the window of the bus and hit one of the little young ladies from East. And when the Evergreen School heard about that, then at the state tournament, they came and cheered with Montbello. And they were in the stands with Montbello. And, and that then became a front page story. And it showed that kids then learned from that. Our kids then went to Evergreen to find out what Evergreen was like. We also had the cheerleaders have cheer fest when we brought in all of the schools from Denver area. And then they shared their ideas and found out that each school had similar problems and that we would work to get this all solved. 
And so the unity, and then the kids went out to the elementary schools at the holidays, at Halloween, Christmas, and Easter, and those kind of things to have events with the little kids. So the students themselves took part in changing the what happened in Montbello. And some people believe that when an incident happened away from Montbello, they couldn't believe it. They absolutely, and that was proven in 1999 when Columbine incident. And the kids then made a big sign and we took it out. One of the parents had big paper posters and everybody signed the poster and we took it to Columbine. And then some of the cheerleaders went with me to the memorial service on Sunday. They wore their uniforms and the people were so glad to see them at they said that what a difference that makes to actually see kids here supporting the school. But they couldn't believe it would happen at Columbine and not at Montbello. And many things happening in Montbello, they would assume it happened at the high school. It's changing the narrative. Uh, Montbello community is the only community in the metropolitan area that has a high school that's named after the community as well. So anything that happened at the high school was newsworthy, and it was usually they always pick up negativity. They didn't always want to pick up the positive. And anything that happened in the community, which is much larger than any other neighborhood community in Denver, always was in Denver, uh, was in Montbello as well as the negative press. And we had to fight that image for a long period of time until we decided we needed to control our own narrative. And through work, like uh, Janita was just talking about, happened at Montbello High School, Residents had to do the same thing. We had to join some citywide neighborhood organizations in order to show them that we're just as equal as they are, and we're just people all trying to improve our communities. Thank you all for your service to the community. Almost all of you spoke about the powerful impact of the Montbello High School. Can you share why closing of Montbello High School made a huge impact on the community? When we, when I first moved out here in the early se- in the seventies. We fought hard to get the Montbello Junior High School out here because our children, they were those ages, were bused across town uh, to Thomas Jefferson, which is a long ways away from our community and, and didn't make it very easy for them to participate in after-school events and other activities. So as a community, we fought hard to bring quality schools to our community. And Montbello High School, when it came in, became the center of our community. Uh, and so it was the, what I call the heart of Montbello community as a whole. Uh, So when the closure came, it was devastating to the community. And when the closure came, uh, the school was turning itself around. So um, we then uh, had to fight with the school board, with uh, politicians uh, to get our school back again, because um, as Chris said, Montbello is the hub of this community. It always has been. It always will be. And as long as some of us who came out here before it was even a school, as long as we breathe, we'll fight to make sure that it is the center of our community because it is a big concern with them shutting down our school was um, erasing our history. No one, 
knows who they are, where they come from, uh, if you take away their history. And not only did they close our school, then they wanted to change the history of the school. And that's unheard of. And we fought and fought until next year there will be a traditional Montbello High School. Going along with the history of Montbello, when they closed the school, which they said they would always be a Montbello High School, and then they closed it four years down the line. But they also then went through and threw out the trophies, the plaques, the banners, everything that the kids who had been in school from 1980 through 2014 were a part of. They decided that that was not necessary to have. So we fought to get that back, and those have all been replaced. But that was so important for the kids to have their history. I don't care whether it was in art, whether it was in the academics, whether it was in athletics, the drama department, or anything. It was important that that history come back to focus. And that history now is back on display at Montbello High School. In addition to the beginning of the high school, it was Montbello Junior High Community School. And so it became a focal point where we had community meetings because we didn't have spaces in our community, civic spaces, where residents, uh, organizations could meet. And we utilized the community room at the high school uh, all the time it was open. And when they closed the school and divided it into several schools, we lost access to the community rooms, uh, facilities where we could have our meetings, uh, which was very devastating to our community because that helped it. This community is rich in history. And uh, I, I could tell you about Montbello Boosters Club, uh, which was an organization that provided scholarships, athletic scholarships to students. And majority of the people in that didn't have any kids at the high school. No kids at the high school, but they participated in that organization because of a pride to our community. And there were a lot of things that came out of that school. People that didn't have any children attended sporting activities because we were supporting our community. We were supporting the youth in our community, and that's how they did that. So when it was closed, we lost that identity. And not only that, uh, my Bella High tend to serve not only as an educational facility, but it was a social hub for all ages. You know, because basically there is no social place to go and things for people to do in Montbello. So whenever an activity occurred up at the school, it was like a gathering place. You get to see your friends and you get to support. So, yes, it's devastating to see something like that that's so close to you being destroyed. Thank you for all. Thank you all for sharing that important history but I would like to shift to a new topic. But before we do that, Chris, can you tell us more about your garden? Oh, my garden. <laughs> it's one of the beauty, beautiful things about Montbello is the size of our yards. Uh, compared to any other part of the city of Denver, we have large yards, especially backyards. Uh, and I just happen to have a backyard that has a large flower garden as well as a vegetable garden. Uh, and it's taken many, many years to do, and we still every year have to put more stuff in it. But... Uh, we host a lot of events, family and community social events in our yard throughout the year uh, during the summer uh, just to celebrate what we have. And what I call my garden, and a lot of folks that come to my yard and to my home, 
It's, it's a diversity type of yard. You're not just going to see all spring flowers. You're not going to just see all uh, late blooming flowers or dahlias or uh, lilies. You're going to see all different types of flowers. Uh, and some of our favorites, my wife's daisies, we have all types of flowers in our yard just because we believe in the true diversity and we show it through our yard. Now I want to see it because like from how you explained it, it seems like it's really beautiful. Thank you. It is. <laughs> You've all seen the flowers? It's Coming late best. June. Late June, early July is the best time. <laughs> 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 it's cute. You guys didn't invite me? <laughs> well, when I saw the flowers, you were probably too little to know it was a flower. True, true. <laughs> okay. uh, we have so, so many people in our community and many flo- folks from outside of the U.S. Silka, can you share in um, what Ways did immigrants help Montbello to it, what it is now? Um, <laughs> I've been thinking lately, uh, and I know that's unusual, but I've been thinking that it would be fun to have an uh, immigrant organization, an immigrant club. I wanted to get a T-shirt that says, I'm a proud immigrant, um, because... It, it, it's such an important part of not just Montbello, but the, the city and the state of that diversity that we have in the flowers as well. But as an immigrant, it's fun to live in a place like Montbello because you get to know a broad spectrum of different cultures and interests and... and uh, ways to get involved and once you're involved you get others involved this has been attacking me by the way <laughs> we can talk about that later but um yeah it it makes Montbello that much more special and even like we have that vietnamese church the catholic parish has a united nations over there and and being part of that and then Sharing that with others has been really valuable. On top of that, though, I have to say, just on a more personal note, it has. I was born in an air raid shelter in Germany during the war, and watching what's happening right now just really hits close. And and uh, and, and I think as an immigrant. Uh, and seeing what's happening to other potential immigrants is is really difficult. But but I'm glad to be here. So I think you hit something on the nose there. Montbello is a community that's really been accepting of others. Uh, it didn't matter what your background was. And so for those who come to our country looking for a new way of life or uh, the, the uh, the, the dream of being in America, uh, it helps provide that for them. But it also is a place for those who want to just come and assimilate into the community where they wouldn't stand out and look, look they don't look like others. And in our community, you could be an immigrant uh, and know that there's probably somebody on your block who looks like you. And so it's a little bit more accepting and feel a little bit safer. I believe in our community, our immigrants, but we, we have a huge immigrant population in our communities and always have. And our community is proud to have been a national model for diversity. 
And by diversity, we mean different ethnicities. Uh, there are so many definitions of diversity, but that's what we're speaking of. And we all learn to live and work together because of the isolation of the geographical location of Montbello. So we, in addition to having that diversity, we had the will to stick together to improve where we live. Over the years, many things have changed in the community, from the schools to the people. How do you, y'all feel about how Montbello is now? I am a, a proud Montbello, Montbello resident for over 40 years, and I've had a really wonderful professional career outside of our community. And so wherever I'm at, when people ask, where do you live? I'm always proud to say I live in Montbello. And I think that's how we change our image, is we tell people we're proud to live in Montbello. We're proud to live in the community as diverse as it is. We're proud to live in we, a city within a city. Um, I, I live a half a block off the arsenal. Wildlife, I can see deer. Uh, recently, we saw wild turkeys roaming through our community. Uh, is, you're lucky raccoons, eagles. A lot of city folks, urban folks, never see any of that. We get to see that just as our daily lives. Uh, I'm super proud uh, to live in Montbello where the quality of homes are better than most parts of our city and the yards are bigger than everywhere else where you can have gardens uh, and places where uh, kids can play, uh, our pets can roam. Uh, and as we're making our community more bike-friendly and less car-friendly, uh, it's really jelling to be a community for younger folks, and, and I'm happy about that. So we want and should always be proud to say we live in Montbello. I don't live in Montbello, but I was fortunate to be assigned here at the high school in 1981 and to stay in touch with so many of my former students um, that many other teachers throughout the city don't have that opportunity or they don't stay in touch with them, and I am blessed, and I am thankful for the former students I have um, and for the coaching staff and for the teachers that I worked with at the time. And for the parents. Absolutely. And the you know, parents. She's telling my, me to tell my son hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about Montbello. I've always been excited about Montbello. And I am uh, noisy when it comes to talking about Montbello, and anyone who knows me knows that. I look forward to the additional growth uh, that's coming to Montbello, and uh, I think we're in good hands with our young people. Uh, we old-timers are trying to sit back and just work in the garden. And we want our young people to know the history so that they know um, what they need to work towards, uh, a blend of the old and a blend of the new. It takes young, old, rich, poor, male, female, uh, non-binary. It takes all kinds of folks to make a community. And that's what we're trying to do, and that's the information and history we're trying to pass on. So thank you for saying that. 
what is one piece of community history that you would like to make sure other young people know? So, yeah, I live by the philosophy of when I moved out here and why I got involved in being in our community, uh, besides being an act, being an activist in our community, is I'm a firm believer that wherever you live, you should try to make it better than what you found it. And so I've always strived to make Montbello, Montbello community a better community than when I first moved out here. And why that's important is because of people like you. It's the youth of our community. Many of you will grow up and become professionals and will move out of state and move away from Montbello, but hopefully be proud to stay here from Montbello. Many of you will return and make Montbello your home. And if you do choose to do that, you know that you've chosen wisely, that it's a beautiful community, it's a great place to raise your children, and that's what I hope that we can continue to build as more youthful, younger folks come and get involved in our community is to just to make it better than it is today. The one thing that I think would be to share with them that it is their civic duty to become involved and to know about what is going on in their community not only to know, but if there is something that you can do to further or help the lives of anyone to step up to the plate. I agree 100% with Stella. And I remember what my grandmother always said. It's a poor frog that doesn't praise its own pond. If we don't make our community better, who, who else will? We live here. It's our responsibility to make it better. I've lived in Montbello for 50 years, 51 years, 1971. And I can't imagine myself living anywhere else. One of the pieces I will add to your comments is to the youth that I will say to you, as you get older and when you get the right to vote, make sure you vote. Uh, that's one of the things we've had a lot of difficulty over the years is encouraging our neighbors to vote because the voting is a way you can express your voices and it's a power that gets attention, uh, especially from downtown and other areas and using your political voice. I'm always encouraging the youth to register to vote and use your voices. Thank you for listening to this episode of Montbello Memory Mapping on the Voice of Montbello podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode by subscribing to our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search for the Voice of Montbello. You can always follow us on Instagram at the Confluence Center Media Center. Thank you to our team of students, Mohammed, Yanis, Lucero, Kaojay, and Leah. Lastly, thank you to our teacher, Mr. Clifton, our creative producer, Franklin Cruz, and project leader, Myra Gonzalez, and Josue for supporting this group work. This project is funded by Denver Arts and Venues. This has been a Confluence Media Center production.